0: I'm Roy Sharples. Welcome to the Unknown Origins Podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you seeking inspiration? An industry expert looking for insights or are growing your career? I created the Unknown Origins Podcast to provide access to insights and content from creators worldwide with inspirational conversations and storytelling about art architecture, design, entrepreneurship, fashion, film, music, and pop culture. Music is the language of the world, with no boundaries. It unites and brings people together, regardless of time and space. And it can change the world, affect a mood, atmosphere, and behavior, and captures a moment in time. Steve Lillywhite epitomizes this magic and wonder. Steve is a multi-award-winning, music-making pioneer and Commander of the Order of the British Empire, whose iconic work spans over four decades, producing over 500 records, including The Scream by Susie and the Banshees, The Crossing by Big Country, Peter Gabriel by Peter Gabriel, Sparkle in the Rain by Simple Minds, The Joshua Tree by U2, Naked by Talking Heads, and Vox Hall and I by Morrissey. He has been Managing Director of Mercury Records and Senior Vice President of a at Columbia Records.
1: Hello and welcome, Steve. Hi there, Roy. My name is Steve White and I am a... Well, it used to be a record producer. Um, I used to say that and people now say, what are records? Um, so I presume I'm, <laughs> I'm a music producer, but I've been, uh, I've been doing it for so bloody long that... Um, The thing about being a music producer is not like being a doctor. After about 40 years or any creativity, after 40 years of being a doctor, you're supposedly a better doctor. After 40 years of doing music, I'm not sure if you're ever if you're any better than you were on day one. And, And that's borne out by the amount of artists whose first album is their best. But I digress. Off you go. <laughs> that's,
0: a fine, that's a fine way of putting it. But I, I would argue with you there, Steve, that very few have had the impact um, on, on pop culture and, and millions of people's lives that you have. And I think being a ch- being, being a child of the '80s like myself, um, growing up, being an ardent music collector and going into those those record stores back in the '80s, where You know, it was like almost like a religious pilgrimage. Can I go in there on the Saturday mornings and filtering your way through the different categories of music, cross-examining the 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 record sleeves, and you know, music then was it. People were fairly inscrutable on their music tastes, right? But your name was omnipresent with so many of those pioneering, influential records.
1: Well, it, it was a it was a very fertile era. Yeah. You know, I mean, there there, there was a lot that there there was a lot of very diverse acts who were all now in retrospect, you know, back in in that time when you were young and opinionated. Yeah. You know, you you, you definitely had your favorites and, and everything. But but even if I you know, I've never really been a fan of Simply Red, but. You know, you now look back and you go, well, even simply red were pretty good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. right, I mean, the the variance in style, and it wasn't just like, it was year after year, there was something new happening. And... Music at that time, okay, we had the top of the pops in the the UK and the whistle test and the NME that really channeled um, the latest and greatest at that moment in time with a huge captive kind of audience. And that mechanism has evaporated now through all the other means. But, But it wasn't just that, it was music then really helped define fashion and movements and pop culture. Were you aware at that time the impact that you were having upon people's
1: lives and pop culture? No, absolutely not. You don't ever, when you're young and opinionated, you, you, I mean, I mean, for me, it, for me, it was, it was a mixture of fear. I think one of the, one of the things I always remember is that I, I, I never thought I was good enough. And, uh, and I still, I still take it to me, you know, it's still one of my core beliefs is that there's, that there's two very bad, um, emotions, you know, one of them is, uh, is complacency, you know, which I yeah. think is one of the worst things, but another one is uncertainty. So if you can somehow move your way through your life without ever being complacent, but also never being uncertain, I mean, there's, there, there's a great strength in that. And I was very lucky that, that, you know, I, I, I was ne- I'm i not an analyst. I don't self-analyze, because as I say, if you self-analyze your work while you're doing it, you can only ever get, you either like it or you don't like it once it's been finished as a piece of art. And of course, if you like it, there's the element of complacency. And if you don't like it, there's that element of uncertainty, both which I think are negative elements in, in creativity.
0: So true. The golden rule is to avoid the deadly sin of complacency and to embrace uncertainty without fear, to navigate the way forward to discover the new. So be in the moment, be self-aware and resilient by constantly keeping perspective, evolving and innovating. Otherwise, your star will fall and the future will leave you behind. When did you realise that you were creative and then what attracted you to become a producer? In the first place,
1: well, I I always say that I I was just—I'll give you a quick um, background. I was—I was was sort of middle class, born in 1955, uh, which I think is probably the 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 greatest era of human social. um, What's the word where where the state provides you with with um, as much as you need. You know, there was good.
0: Uh, there was a good social system there. That was. Um, it was
1: great. You know, look, you could pay for 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 schooling. Yeah, but the but the comprehensive gave you just as good. You could pay for your education, but the states uh, they pay for your dentist or your your doctor, or even it came down to the BBC, which was a great a great thing where it was you you could not bribe the BBC to get your song on the radio. So and and they really. They they for them it was all about the art, you know. They yeah. and 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 varying s- systems of music, you know. So 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 really I, I grew up in a in a wonderful era, even before that, you know. But 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 I I was no good at school. I managed to get a job in a recording studio purely by by luck. And and then after five years of being in that recording studio. My my boss offered us some free time if we wanted to go and practice engineering and producing and uh, and I took in this band which was the earliest version of Ultravox, which had a singer called John Fox. It wasn't the Midge Ewer as yeah. much as I like as much as Midge is a nice bloke and a good friend. Um, the John Fox version was a little bit more. It was like more of a punky Roxy music, and and from then I I. Through a series of of of, um, of 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 luck, I managed to work with Susie and the Banshees and I had my first hit. Now, you know, it's always a catch 22 situation being a producer like you only get the work if you've had the hit. But how do you get the work if you haven't had the hit? And all of a sudden this this wave of punk rock was full of people i always say was full of artists who couldn't play really play their instruments so what better than a producer who couldn't really produce and that's how i that's how i started off really certainly after success i you can either view your success uh, in two different ways you know for me it it made me think oh my god i can choose to work with some really cool artists whereas of course Before the success, why would cool artists want to work with me? Who was I? You know, I always looked at it this way, that that you could, it gave me the choice to to work with great artists. Now you, you talk about me as being a creative. I don't, I am creative, but what my great skill is, is unlocking creativity within other people. It's like for me, even if it's like the world's biggest band came to me and said, Steve, I want you to produce me. If they said to me, Steve, we'll do whatever you want, I would say, no, I'm not the right guy for you. Luckily, not many people do that. The artists I work with, all it's like, Steve, I've got these 10 ideas. And I go, okay, great. Give me the 10 ideas. Let me listen. I'll, I'll say, that one's good. Yeah, get rid of that one. Get rid of oh, that one. Now, if you take that bit there. So it's, it's like, I love taking, I love putting into sort of order the, the wonderful madness of great creative people, um, and there's a, that's creative in itself, I suppose. Although for many years I, 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 I didn't really realise that because I just thought what I was doing was very easy, and it was only looking back that I, I look at my career and I go, wow. I mean, yes, there was late nights and there was a lot of drama and a lot of hair pulling, but for. For me, it didn't seem like it was that difficult. You know, I was sort of rolling through the 80s. And I mean, that was, you know, I mean, I've had success in in many decades, but but you know, I, I think if you look back around the early 80s, which is the time that you were yeah. wide-eyed and innocent and looking on the back of big country and going, who's this shitty name, <laughs> Lillian, you know, <laughs> <And> <laughs> a wonderful band from, from, from Glasgow called the trash can Sinatras who I, I don't know if you ever heard of that. They yeah, were so yeah. good. They were so great. And, and and we never really got successful with them, but, but I did get success with the, with the big country and the simple minds and um, yeah. And Kirsty of course, who was yeah. Kirsty McCall, who I was married to. I mean, she was, she was from Croydon, but, um, there was never more of a Celtic spirit than her. She was, for, for some reason, the Celtic spirit is. I, I, I can really relate. I, I have a great empathy towards that sort of. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know why. My fucking name, like Lily White, not a bit more <laughs> horrible, horribly but, English now. Can you?
0: You're, <laughs> you're right. And that alchemy shows up in your work. Your point around artistic innocence and the chemistry you sparked with Susie and the Banshees demonstrates that attitude, imagination, and the ambition to do something by making it happen trumped being technically sophisticated.
1: I always thought that, uh, you know, equipment is there to be, to, to be abused rather than used. It was, <laughs> it, the, the thing I found about punk was that it was a fantastic attitude but a limited art form. I, th- I thought to myself that if I'm going to manage to get through this life without ever having to do a proper job, and it was really fear that if I wasn't a successful producer, I would be flipping burgers. There was that fear that, 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 that drove me onto wanting to make sure what I did was a hit or at least was, was a wonderful piece of art because of course I really do believe art before commerce, you know, I mean, some people try and make commercial records at my greatest. And I think, you know, my artist's greatest, we didn't make records for the public. We made records because we thought they were cool. Yeah. And by, uh, you know, and, and, and I think maybe America is a slightly different place where where people look at the bottom line and they want a successful hit record. But but the great thing about the British, strong British music scene that we came up from was that. If you looked fantastic, that could actually be enough. It didn't yeah. matter. You know, you could be, you know, Boy George, Nick Rhodes, but on the other side, you've got Stuart Adamson and Jim Kerr and and, and you know, and Julian Cope. Yeah. What a wonderful, crazy guy Julian Cope was. You know, and and God bless so eclectic it's fascinating that when you name all those names right and how different they all were yet their
0: their record collections and their influences were probably the same they were all in the pursuit of authentic creative expression by transcending the ordinary routine and status quo by manifesting what's inside them and around them to come up with their own unique voice and style. And they did that in a way that was fiercely competitive
1: with one another, which ultimately spurred them on. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very different world that we live in now. And I, I think just purely, just one interesting fact is that when, I always say the main difference between artists now and artists then is that back in the 80s, especially, if you we were working on a song and someone said oh that sounds a little bit like someone else's song we you would immediately drop it yeah because it was there was nothing worse than sounding like someone else now what happens now is that if you sound like someone else you can immediately access it right you can listen to every yeah. record ever made Back in those days, we never listened to other people's records in the studio. I know some people did; I never did. Um, but but now it's like, well, good. That sounds like something else. Let's change a few chords and use that as a um, as a springboard for our own. You know, whereas we were much more in the in the process of inventing stuff or what we thought was inventing it. I mean, occasionally things would sound a bit like someone else, but but it was none of my artists anyway would yeah. ever say, oh, you're good. It, you know, it's good that it sounds like another band. Yeah. If it sounded like another band, we would dis- we would dismiss it and start on another song. That is so revealing. From a fan's perspective,
0: which I was and still am, that was how I listened to music. It was to a point where... You are anal retentive, a train spotter, an anorak about having a smell for the disingenuous and clearing the decks to detect any plagiarism and unethical reference points. Oh, that sounds like the riff from Jumpin' Jack Flash or the intro is a rip from Big Yellow Taxi, or that's a lyric from Quadrophenia, etc., etc. This was an instant turn-off if the song, album, and band had plagiarised someone else. So originality and authentic creativity were non-negotiable, which I think raised the bar high for original material and let bands know they were not going to get off with it any other way. I don't believe generations that have came after that are... As hardcore, which is also symptomatic of the cut and paste culture from the internet and instant gratification clickbait culture
1: of social media. You're right. And, and, and funny when you say smelt that because when you're young, you've got a fucking great sense of smell. <laughs> <laughs> you're, pu- you're a purist. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> ah, you and, and, you know, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it was, um, I, I was, you know, thinking about it. I was so lucky you know I, I i one of my quotes has been that you know i'm not sure i would enter the music business because i don't want to be a typist yeah and, and 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 a lot of music now for better or for worse because it's you know i'm not luddite i i believe in science and i believe in technology always moving forwards in terms of um of improving yeah or, or, or you can't stop it if it if it makes it worse then so be it but but you can't stop technology yeah. you know that's that's the human way you know we are we, we, we have a brain we can't go otherwise you're in the fucking taliban as far as i'm exactly, concerned. exactly. you know and uh, and so i believe in science i believe in the experts of science i, I believe in all that you know there's I, I mean there's some things nowadays in life that are being questioned that seems to be just why did we evolve this wonderful, wonderful system of living that we are now just destroying because because we don't believe in the experts or, you know, Or because we question things. Constantly analysing
0: and critiquing and questioning and challenging the status quo in the everyday life. But to provide an alternative, hey, every creative will tell you that there is no on or off button for creativity. It's a constant that happens naturally by design or by accident in our everyday life. Or Or by drugs. Or by drugs. (laughs)
1: No, uh, because I've, I've... you know, I've, I'm actually 24 years uh, clean and sober. And and every single record I made before the 15th of May 1997 was I was either drunk or high on, on marijuana or doing. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and, and it was all part of my creative period. Now, I got all my Grammys after I got sober. So and, you know, I, and, and I've thought about this a lot and I've. Um, and My conclusion is that, yes, the reason a lot of creative people take drugs to become creative is because they're lazy. But in fact, you can get to that point without the drugs. It's just a little bit more difficult. And I'll give you a great example. I always thought that, you know, Amy Winehouse was the sort of real deal and Adele was slightly dialing it in. Now, if you listen to Adele's newest album, she has reached creative depths of a crazy uh, the, the sort of Amy Winehouse got to. But she's done it. And I know she's not going to die of drugs or anything like that. Yeah, she, it, it's, it's what I'm saying. And, and, you know, Bono goes to those places, you know, you can get to the ultimate creative place. Without resorting to that, it's just it's much easier to get high and lose yeah. yourself in it. And and for me, I as I say, I I I you know all my Grammys have been got. So I've had, I've been lucky enough to I've got six Grammys. I got them all after I got sober. So you know uh, I will now say slightly um, controversially, I will say, well, imagine if Sergeant Pepper's had been done drug free, mm. how good that would have been. But, you know, maybe that's not true. All of the, the, the musical movements,
0: especially 70, 60s, 70s, like the hippie movement right through to yeah. the 70s, 80s and beyond, like each movement that seemed to have had a drug of choice that's connected with uh, the fashion, the style, the sound. That's a fascinating um, perspective you give there. And also that your crowning successes in terms of achievements, industry achievements, have been done by being a queen. Yeah, clean,
1: you know? yeah I know. I'm, I'm, I'm ver- and I'm very proud of it. And I, I you know... No, it's um. I, I really believe that. I I I spent all these years trying to find nirvana, you yeah. know. And I, and I and actually, it is living in the moment is one of those. You know, I'm not also. I'm a, I'm a complete atheist and all that. But there is something about the Buddhist sense of yeah. You know, right here, right now. Is um. Was he Jesus? It was a Jesus Jones song. Right here, right now,
0: and also. Congratulations for being clean for over 24 years.
1: Oh, that's okay. It's uh, one day at a time and it's very easy to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm joyful. I, I, I love it. It's great. The creative process may seem magical,
0: especially where ideas can come from and how they are brought to form in life. But proven techniques, tools, methods and approaches to the art and science of applied creativity exist to help enable the, the creative process. Steve, yeah. what is your creative process in terms of how do you make the invisible visible by dreaming up ideas, developing them into concepts, and then bringing them to
1: actualization? Well, I, I always say it's, it's my job as a producer. Is, uh, is It's a bit like being a film director, but it's not as dictatorial as a film director, because a film director's are artists don't write their own songs, whereas I, I work with artists who, who write their own songs. So I, it's always more of a collaboration. So um, for me, to, part of my creativity is to, is, to, is to paint, is to set a scene for creativity. And that's, you know, a recording studio in general. I've always said you can do a better performance standing in the toilet than you can in a recording studio that's dead with headphones on, with a bunch of people at the other side of the glass looking at you, waiting for you to perform. Now, if you're an artist and you've never been in a studio before, the idea that what you're about to do is going to be probably defining your whole life you may, you may just tense up and not do it. It's a bit like giving someone a tennis racket and saying, go straight away and play the final of Wimbledon. Well, you've not been, you haven't really done, you might've practiced tennis, but you've never been in on the center court. So yeah. my job is to sort of, is to train them in 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 real time as well you know um as i say it's it's different now but back in those days the idea of 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 painting of setting a scene and allowing those people to be so secure in my arms so secure in my safety blanket my 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 safety net that they can let themselves go and they will know that I will catch them and not let them smash their head on the concrete floor.
0: Steve, that's- a, I, 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 I I do, and yeah, I can totally correlate that to other creative environments, right? Where yeah. you're setting the conditions and atmosphere to allow people to create without fear. You nurture, impart, and practice almost co-creatively with the artists and band. And that takes skill, practice, and persistence.
1: Oh, yeah, and it's very important. And there's lots of other little tips. You know, it's like you. I must never. If there's ever any problem with the technical stuff, look. I know many producers who love to to say, you know, to to shout out their their juniors and say, "Hey, that machine's not been lined up properly. You know, oh my yeah. god, you know, and just being then it's all on them. For me, it's never about my ego. If my, if any of my artists ever think Steve's worried, then they are not going, then it's going to be this snowball effect. Yeah. Because if they think I'm worried, they're worrying about me being worried. So they're going to get worried. So they're not going to be able to to perform and, and, and and let their creative juices run. You know, it's, um, yeah. So it's, it's, And I was very lucky because I was, I'm a, I always say that um, my studio, I'm a bit like in a recording studio and I'm a bit like the lifeguard on the beach. I'm the coolest, you know, I'm the alpha male in a recording studio. Take me out of a recording studio. I'm really not an alpha male. Um, But, but I, because I've been in recording studios since I was 17, it, it, it's so natural for me to just acquire this this um this leadership quality which is yeah. which is not dictatorial it's it's like you know and, and you get to know. also another thing is you get to know when problems are going to come and that's also a big thing you know if you can stop because people always say oh what happens when you have a problem well you know, one of your jobs is to see the problem ahead of time and to and to fix it before it becomes big. So Steve, you're
0: you're clearly a dreamer, maker and doer with an insatiable <laughs> curiosity and ambition to make I things think happen. That,
1: yeah. The idea the sense of wonder. That's what yeah. joy joy and wonder are my two favorite words. You know, and I I <sighs> I don't need to have a, 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 a supreme being who invented me to, 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 to not have wonder at yeah. the world. You know, I mean, I have absolute wonder at what human beings can pull out of their asses sometimes. <laughs> but, but, Steve, you know, I think it, yeah. it's really...
0: Yeah, carry on. No, 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 please. please. I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastically um, <laughs> jumping in there. But, but that joy and wonder... You know, it doesn't just come through the work that you've done and that energy that you you ooze. It, it really comes through just speaking to you now. You know, like oh, um, oh yeah, you, like your energy is contagious.
1: I'm sure you've been you've been told that many many times. <laughs> well, I, I, but authentically, it's not put on. It's it's you. No, it it is, and I'm I'm lucky that it, uh, Now, you know, I, I've I haven't, I haven't really been producing for a while, and I'm not sure if I want to produce anymore. Um, I, 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 I used to have this thing that, that, you know, teachers were just people who couldn't really make it in the real world. And I've changed my mind about that. So I, I quite like the idea of not, not teaching specifics, you know, like, like you have to use this microphone on yeah. this. I mean, for me, that's not important because those things can change, you know, but, but, but there's certain general Things about creativity that I, I you know, I, I'm, I, I certainly, um, you know, I, I've, I've given a few lectures and a few things like that, and I and I quite enjoy espousing a few, um, a few things that I've learned over the years, you know, which which can be which can be transferred into many creative uh, ways of looking at life. That's a fine
0: place to be. You've been at the summit of your craft for decades and are now passing the baton to the next generation by leaving the world in better shape than
1: you found it. Oh, well, you know, well, hey, we, we try. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> we, we always fail, but, um, but, but without trying, we're nothing, right? Exactly. So, uh, yeah.
0: So having that belief and and passion um, and focus and the dedication and making the sacrifices that you did by putting the hard work in what are the essential skills needed to survive and thrive as a
1: producer steve okay well um interestingly there, there is a there's a great producer his name is bob rock and it always made me, you know, it was slightly unfortunate that that was his name, because I thought, well, he can only do that one sort of music. And he actually did rock music as well. But, but um, <laughs> the, 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 no, what, what I mean is that, is that for me, even back in the early days, when I had success with one artist, you, there would be a lot of pressure from these small minded record companies that they would go, oh, he had a hit with so-and-so let let's well he can do this our band who sound a bit like that band who he had success with now i never did that i used my success to then expand my my repertoire so so you know i was very lucky that even though there were times when it seemed like oh steve Lillywhite only does rock bands at the same time i was producing joan armor trading And Peter Gabriel, as well as the Psychedelic Furs and XTC and U2 and Simple Minds. And then then I and then during the sort of 90s, I went completely differently and, and moved to America. And I worked with these jam bands. Like um, I sold, you know, did some great records with a band called Dave Matthews Band, who are huge in America. Yeah. And and a band called Fish and the Counting Crows. So I always wanted to. My, my sense of wonder led me to want to work with different styles of music, but always within a certain parameter. I, I also knew that, that if I did something that I wasn't passionate about, then I wouldn't do a good job, you know. And so, so if I would ever turn down your band, it was for your best, for your yeah. You know, it was for, for your good as well as my good. You know, because I know that I can't, I can't dial it in, Roy. I am yeah. not, you know, a lot of producers. See, I never see it as a job. I see it as a vocation. And the difference between a job and a vocation. And I sometimes I wish it was a job because with a job, you're allowed to complain about it. That's what a job is. My fucking boss, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, but with a vocation, it, you must have that same joy and wonder that you had that first day when you walked in and go, oh, my God, this looks like Star Trek. You know, literally, that's, that's what you do. And that was what it used to be like in the 80s when someone walked into a studio. That would be the first, that would be the only sort of thing people would say. It was like, oh, it looks like Star Trek. You know, yeah. uh, now, now that sense of wonder for sure has, uh, you know, recording People don't have recording studios anymore. And, you know, anyone can make a record in their bedroom. It's technology always leads the art form. You know, the technology will change and then the art form will change following the technology. It it never works the other way around. Uh, the technology is invented by boffins and then the creative people come in and fuck it up. Um, because no one who invents anything is that creative in a way. I mean, it's a different sense of creativity, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, you, um, you go back to like dramas, like... Back in the 50s, when there were no amplifiers, drummers had to be very quiet because they had to fit in their sound levels to the orchestra. And then, of course, the technology changed, electric guitars and amplifiers. The art form changed. Drummers became heavy and became a completely different sense of art, you see. And, and, And what we've had now is the technology has gone from uh, fr- from real musicians playing to having everything in a computer. And the art form has changed as well to music that that, that is done like that. Um, and, and it's a different sort of art form, you know, it's an, and it's not an art form that, as I say, I'm not sure if I would be in the music business now if I was born 50 years later, because I think now... the the, it's a much more insular personal one man job you know where you sit at a computer and you and you just type in your beats and then you type in your your baseline it's 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 very different steve you have a knack of taking complexity and simplifying it into humored easy interpretations got a great one here for you very quickly this is one of my new ones Um, which is, 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 is my, my, my take on American culture is mediocrity hides behind choice. Oh, totally. That's brilliant. Which is great, right? Because I think if you have too much choice, everything can be mediocre. If you, you know, if you have a restaurant that only serves one thing, it better be fucking good. (laughs) Or else it goes out of business
0: that's so true and you know something as well that comment there that statement there steve it's so symptomatic of how society has become you know like the political correctness of things the lack of true freedom of expression it's all about context having respect for everyone's individuality of course idiosyncrasies exist though fundamentally people are the same everywhere in that we are born live and die we have loves hates and passions The brain, nerves, organs and skin are the same biotic structure. We breathe, drink and eat to stay alive. But what makes us unique is how we self-identify by interpreting the world around us, discovering our strengths and expressing our personalities, talents and triumphs. Therefore, people with an axe to grind, please think twice about over-catastrophizing and allowing people to make art that is an expression of them than having to checkbox standard criteria that ultimately drive
1: uniformed mediocrity. You know, I'm as liberal as the next guy, and honestly, I am. But but, 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 but I also believe in to laugh at yourself. You know, Ricky Gervais really sums it up so much better than me. It's all in the context, as we know, you know, you can be nasty to someone if it's not in the right context it can be hurtful yeah. but you know we we grew up with you know john cleese and, and 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 great british humor was is something i hold so dear to myself and i don't want to be suddenly told that it's not um acceptable anymore you know and look i i understand i i understand you know i to go back to, 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 to bigotry and all that. Yes, but I don't know. It's a, it's a very yeah. difficult, you know, and I've got young kids and they, you know, I was having an argument with my daughter about happy holidays versus Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'd say, look, I'm a complete atheist, but I grew up saying Merry Christmas, not for any religious reasons, but it was just what we did. Now, you telling me, because she's American, and and she said, and I said, you telling me to say happy holidays? That's just as that you putting your culture onto me, right? You know, and that and and you know, yes, I understand that some people don't celebrate Christmas. Yes, I do get that, uh, and and America is, yeah, I don't know. It's a very difficult, difficult thing to yeah to 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 to, to navigate because young people, especially. I mean. I, Look, I, you know, do you know Fairy Tale of New York? The yes, of course. Christmas yeah, Christmas. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, oh, that, God. you know, for many many years, they, uh, the the lyric goes, "You scumbag, you maggot, you you yeah. lag- faggots." Happy Christmas, your ass. I pray God it's our last, and that was perfectly acceptable, and it was played on the radio. Now, I'm saying. The, the BBC, which I actually, you know, I think it's a great institution still, although a little bit stuffy, but um, but they, they've they come up with a pretty good, although interesting, fix for that because they they managed to find a version of Kirsty singing on Top of the Pops, um, You're Cheap and You're Haggard, instead of You Cheap ah, right. and you're Haggard, which was a one-off take that she did on Top of the Pops about... 10, just before she was killed, actually. And they managed to take the vocal of her on top of the pops, cut it in to the actual record. So they had two versions of her singing, which she, you know. But what was interesting was the one on Radio 2, which is like the old person's station is the original version, but the one that they play on Radio One is the is the is the edited version with the less offensive lyric because they think young people are more offended now than we were back in those days. Upon reflection, Steve,
0: what are the lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success to being a producer that you can share with aspiring and existing producers?
1: Okay, well, absolutely. Um, complacency is something that we should really never, never, you know, and, and, and that's it. Again, I'll go on about the, 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 you should never, the, the artist is always the most important person for a producer. So your ego should never be part of the equation. You should always serve the music first, the artist second, and your needs as a as a as a producer uh, that are always to help the greater good um but also i i always, i have a great analogy about um about artists i I always say to artists look you you can try and make it in music you can try and make money in music but I equate it to the to the New York marathon. I always think that You know, I'll never say to an artist, stop making music. And it's like the marathon. It's like the marathon is full of 40,000 people who always want to run. I would never tell them, don't run the marathon. (laughs) But for me, the only ones I'm interested in are those five Ethiopians at the front. To be honest, everyone else can do their fun run. But as a producer, I want those five Ethiopians. Those are the people I'm interested in because there are so many people and so part of your your job as a producer is to is to inspire people to become one of those five front runners in the marathon but also to help choose the right people to become the front runners in the marathon you know it's um so it's a mix of 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 uh, of of skill of now look I was very lucky that you know how do you know who the who the who the um who the creative ones are well it's a mixture of like the smell that you have like yeah. you 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 summed it up succinctly when you said you could smell someone who wasn't real and you know you have that great sense of smell when you're young and full of wonder so it's a mixture of that it's but it's also the mixture of the experience and i was very lucky that i was Even at the age of 23, I'd had five years in a recording studio. Now, no one else in those days was an expert in a recording studio after five years at the age of 23. No artists, you know, they they they've been playing in a little in a in a little rehearsal room. Yeah. You know, so so to go into a studio and to have one of their ill, you know, Someone who they knew to be in charge and to help them navigate what is the most important thing in their life without them realizing it's the most important <laughs> thing in their life that's a big skill, you know I would do things like I would take Jim Kerr off to have a game of table tennis or we did a vocal, and we would yeah. you know we would spend a long time just talking about anything, but what we were about to do, you know, it was a case of of preparing him. And then after the table tennis, which I normally won, by the way, (laughs) it was, it was always my thing, you know, but I would let them win one or two games. No, I'm joking. It was was very, it was very, you know, we got very competitive with that. And then when it came to going in to do the, the music, it was like, okay, let's go and do a vocal. And it was like this youth club, Um, mentality that I like to try and, uh, 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 you know, just just try and allow creative people to be creative. And I'm there sort of steering this thing and um, by, you know, a mix of instinct and fear, but mainly having my synapses there all the time to 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 understand what's going on this living organism of of what a a rock band was but, but, but all of this this eloquent eloquent sort of describing what you did has only come later in life when i look back and go oh that's what you did at the time you sort of do it because it's what you're what you love and you've got and the sense of wonder is far greater than your sense of um, analyzing.
0: Apple and Spotify changed how we purchase and consume music through digital streaming, arguably making it more convenient and affordable to consume music. The internet and social media have become intrinsic to our daily life and routine, to the point where our brains have become overloaded with information and distraction. So we aren't using our imaginations to disrupt and start a revolution within a society consumed with easy gratification and immediate success in a world saturated with consumer-led celebrity culture where everyone looks the same and everything is for sale. Steve, what's your vision for the future of music and the role of authentic creativity
1: will play? Oh, well, it's as I say, the technology has pretty much ground to a halt in the last five years. And when the technology doesn't change, the art form is questionable how it changes. So I think right now we're, we're at a, you know, we have great songwriters. We have, you know, singers are better now than they've ever been in the history of, human race auto tune to start with made made singers in tune but now people listen to auto tune singers and they've learned how to be great singers so the human race is a great is very in tune singing wise artists should try their best to do something different you know i mean and it's very difficult when you don't have the technology always changing to be able to fuck with the technology to, to make more creative art it, I think it's very difficult, um, but as I say, you do have, you know, I mean, someone like Ed Sheeran, there's no question that, I mean, yes, I can hear the songs he listens to before he writes a song. You know, I know where he comes from, but, but every now and again, you're, you're always amazed by something that that touches you. And, and, you know, a sense of wonder is very important. You know, I, as I say, it, it's, I, I can't, I can't say this strongly enough, you know, I think if artists now have lost the innocence of, of, of music and that, you know, I I remember you too, right at the very beginning, they, they only knew about five albums because in Dublin, you couldn't get records. So it was like, you know, um, that they, they hardly listened to any music. So, um, you know, television, that, that band was the, that was, you know, but so, so yeah, it's, I think the, 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 limitations make for great art. We know that. Um, you know, I did an album with Peter Gabriel. He said to me, Steve, I don't want any symbols played on this album. And all of a sudden I went, Oh, no symbols. That means I can really experiment with my ambience and my, uh, and my, you know, and all of a sudden we invented this whole new drum sound that, that, that came out and that's became like the 80s drum sound purely because Peter Gabriel said, I don't want cymbals on my record. You know, one little statement of of art being limited and being brought down, you know, so it's yeah. I'm always I always like to try and put limitations on. You know, we would always back in those days. Well, Sergeant Peppers was made on four track and it's such a varied record. Yeah. You look at nowadays, you have unlimited sound and opportunities for recording. Why does everything sound the same? You know, it's 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 a it's a conundrum, Roy. It's it a is. conundrum.
0: Your point <laughs> about innocence, Steve, is a damn good one. One of our most fundamental life needs is to create. Creativity is a core discipline, like reading, writing and arithmetic. It is not incidental and nice to have. It's a way of life. Pablo Picasso believed all children are artists, but they lose their creativity when they grow up. So grow into, not out of, creativity and don't give up the dreams of your childhood and your approach to the world through a child's eyes. And to your point, Steve, with with that wonder and joy, it isn't something lost with age, but rather a skill we often neglect to practice. The challenge is not learning new things, as this will inevitably happen as we explore, travel, learn and grow. Instead, The challenge is keeping our childlike wonder and imagination alive and having the courage to combine those things with our new experiences
1: and insight. Yeah, and going to the depths. I think digging to the depths needs a lot of effort. Now, technology has stopped, has somehow enabled you to get something, in quotes, good without the effort. You know, and sometimes the effort required is the is part of the creative process whereas now if you can just dial in the best drum sound in the world the best this the best that then are um you know it's it's too easy maybe that's the case you know effort require uh, you know creativity requires it does well look say say take my my great friends you too you know adam the bass player is it's fantastic one of my best friends in the world but you know he would say that that his bass lines are sometimes very simple. So what they have to do is that they have to write a song that has a bass line that goes boom, 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 You know, he can't, he can't be a fancy bass player. Anyway, there you go. Of all the records you've produced, which one do you think about the most? I don't think about many of them very often, but one thing that I, 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 I I do remember was that um, the big country uh, had been everyone, you know, it was like they got signed post-skids and, uh, and, and, and they had a producer called Chris Thomas who was like fantastic going and work with them and it didn't work out very well. And then all of a sudden the record company were a little bit like, oh, if Chris Thomas can't do it, we're a little bit stuck. So they asked me to go in, and I produced a song with them, just a single first to see how it went. A song called "Fields of Fire." Yeah, and I always re- and I always remember finishing that song, and Stuart Adamson, the uh, the singer and main guy from Big Country, just being so full of, just listening to it and going, "Oh my God, that's the sound that I've been wanting." you know yeah. and it was and it and 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 him going home that night and writing in a big country wow and you know so so probably to as a producer you know the the, the greatest thing to be able to do is to is to be able to inspire someone to just you know to yeah. to uh to do something like that so i you know, a Big Country, I was so, you know, and I listen back to especially some of the 12-inch mixes I did of some of those songs. Um, there's a song called Wonderland. You should listen yeah. to the 12-inch remix of Wonderland. It's, it's pretty out there. I mean, it's... Oh, I, yeah. Well,
0: this is going to make me start listening to it differently, and I'm not just saying that, right? But um, And I haven't listened to Big Country for a very long time, so um, <laughs> you've inspired me to do that. Okay, next one.
1: Okay, artist you most want to produce but haven't yet okay well this one will never happen because david bowie is dead ah. um and i'm you know i'm not sure what, it's it's all about timing of people's careers as yeah. well you know it's like you know would i want to produce uh, paul mccartney now no, I don't think I would. I don't yeah. think his voice has sounded any good on any record for the last 20 years. Yeah. But, you know, one, would I have produced Wings? Oh, God, I loved Wings as yeah. as much as, nearly as much as The Beatles, you know. Yeah. There's some fantastic songs there. So, totally. yeah, I, I think David Bowie, you know, was my artist. Album you wished you produced but didn't hunky dory for me you know and it's funny i i I went back it's 50 years since hunky dory was released it's ridiculous isn't it yeah it is ridiculous (laughs) and and i went back and i and i and i was reading about it and it said that hunky dory and ziggy stardust were recorded within three months of each other and and i thought oh i remember which which one is the better album now and i listened to the two of them and i have to say Hunky Dory far exceeds Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust was a little bit just boring. You know, it's just, just Hunky Dory had the the flowery piano and it yeah. had the mystical acoustics and this whole thing. Whereas Ziggy Stardust was just like, eh, you know, sort of power chords on electric oh, guitar. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, a little bit more R-A-W-K. You know, admittedly with a sort of Stooges, punky thing to it, but yeah. But, but but still, it didn't last... For me, it didn't last the test of time like Hunky Dory did, which still, for me, is just the most amazing record of all time. And also, I, I mean, jo, Joni Mitchell as well. I, I think Joni Mitchell yeah. is a fantastic artist. Totally. Most creative artist you've produced? Oh, most creative. Well, you've got... I, I would probably say you two, but, but, but that's a combination of of create of 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 someone like the edge being being very creative but sometimes a little bit sort of uh dithery and bono who is not so creative at all but has the biggest napoleon complex of everyone <laughs> yeah. you know and, and he will say that i mean he's um, you know you know, he's known as the little fella. Uh, <laughs> has, anyone seen has anyone seen the little fella? Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, but no, he is just so uh, so driven. You know, and 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 his heart is so big. Um, so you, yeah, I think it's you know, and a great band has you know, it's it's not about. See, one of the things that absolutely pisses me off, and I've heard this from producers over the years who take great pride in saying, oh, you know, I made that, that album was a hit, but I, I had to sack the drummer. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, maybe the drummer was the person who formed the band. Maybe the drummer is the reason that the band is good. It's yeah. not just the drumming, it's an ecosystem exactly. that that drummer is part of. You know, and very often this producer who says, I had to fire the drummer, and the albums are hit, but they never have another hit album because he has pulled a part. he's taken a, a, a limb from that being, you know, and who are you, who am I to say that? So if I think maybe the drummer's not good enough, and let's face it, nowadays, you know, with time you can get a great performance out of anyone. I don't believe that. But if I really did think I didn't like the drummer enough, I just wouldn't do the record. I, you know, who yeah. am I? Who am I to tell a band that their drummer is not good enough when I, when that drummer? Look, R.E.M. I loved R.E.M. Never had a hit record after their drummer left. Yeah, yeah. They had the best session guys in the world playing for them. But who knows what the drummer... So, yeah. you know, and I, you understand what I'm saying there, Roy boy. I totally am, Steve. <laughs> yeah. The most underwhelming production experience you've had. I don't think I ever did because part of my job as a producer is to decide to do it in the first place. That's a big choice, you know, because once I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. And and I am completely 100% responsible for that record once I say I'll do it. So I have to be absolutely sure that I can do it. You know, so very rarely have I... You know, I haven't made a great record every time. I, I did an album with a girl singer called Toya. I remember you know, her, you know, yes. Toya. Yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, I mean, as nice as she was, I think the reason I did it was because she was the biggest female singer in England at the time. And, and of course, that's not the biggest reason to do someone's album. Yeah. So it it wasn't successful. And um, so, you know... I know that, that 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 my choice to do your record is a very big production decision in the first place. Yeah. So I, I, I take that as a very, I take that very importantly. Who would be in your supergroup? The singer,
0: the guitarist, the bassist, the keyboard player, and the drummer. Okay,
1: I saw this question earlier, and I, <laughs> and I thought I would and I and I thought I would reverse it because someone. So, <laughs> I saw one of these silly things on the internet that said, "Has anyone realised that the only living members of the Beatles are a bass player and a drummer, <laughs> and the only living members of the Rolling Stones are a singer and a guitarist? What if?" And I'm just thinking that would probably be the worst band in the world: <laughs> Keith Richards, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr,
0: as a singer. Who would you choose between Jim
1: Kerr, Morrissey, Bono, and David Byrne? Purely as a singer, I would say Bono because you know Bono is a Bono is Frank Sinatra. There's no question. I mean, Morrissey is also Frank Sinatra, but Bono, Bono is a, he. He's a brilliant singer. It's just he's a brilliant singer when he sings something he believes in. He's a terrible singer if he sings his own lyrics that he doesn't believe in right? as well. You know, so, uh, David Byrne, he's a, you know, he's a very creative man. There's no question about it. Uh, yeah. and Morrissey is Morrissey is the weirdest man I've ever worked. I mean, Morrissey is just, he doesn't look at music the same way as a musician does. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. He, he looks at it completely as a, as, 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 who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that can be for another another. Story. Oh, for,
0: for 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 sure. And then, <laughs> prom- promise you the, the, the last one. So, the guitarist mm-hmm. Johnny Marr, The Edge, or Charlie Burchill?
1: Oh, they, they all do different roles. I mean, I I I loved Charlie Burchill's guitar playing purely because. Well, say, the, the difference between Simple Minds and you two in general was that. The Simple Minds that was the best version of Simple Minds was always led by Derek Forbes' lead bass lines. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you promised you a miracle, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. I mean, fantastic. It was never really, the, the, the guitar was sort of dancing in the background and it was this wonderful bass line that, 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 was, um, that was leading the, 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 the phrase. So I, I love Charlie for that. Now, uh, Johnny Marr, you know, a fantastic. Um, yeah, again, Johnny and Edge, very similar in that 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 I, I would probably go for the Edge, just because he the, the Edge can spend a week looking for a sound. And the actual performing part he can do in about three minutes. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I mean, wow. it's it's yeah, it's uh, it, for for him, it's not. He he very he virtually never gets a plays a wrong note or anything like that. Wow. Uh, johnny is 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 very creative and but i haven't worked with johnny as much as as edge or charlie you know yeah. johnny was like always he would come and play on the a bit on the talking heads a bit with kirsty uh i mean we spent as much time him just coming around our house and listening to records yeah. as i did in, in the studio with him
0: great steve this has been fantastic thanks thank you so
1: much oh my pleasure
0: you want to learn more about how to create without frontiers by unleashing your creative power then consider getting creativity without frontiers how to make the invisible visible by lighting the way into the future it's available in print digital and audio on all relevant book platforms you have been listening to the unknown origins podcast Please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.